Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast episode number 20. I, I think about it as your opportunity to keep unpacking what you've learned even after the private. So if you make some notes or you make this audio recording or you have a video, um, it gives you the chance to take that information and the technique and whatever that you got from the hour you had with the instructor and then continue your learning on your own. So it's not just a question of one hour of benefit, but even many beyond that. Beautiful, maybe calling. Beautiful, maybe calling. Beautiful, maybe calling. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Charles with the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, and we are here today with our special guest, Rachel Cassandra. Um, Rachel Cassandra has been very active here in our Kizoma community here in the United States, going over some years now. And she has an awesome website called KizomaCommunity.com. But I'll go ahead and let Rachel tell us a little bit about herself and what she does for us here in the U.S. Hello, everyone. Yes, thanks for that welcome, Charles. Um, I do run the site KizombaCommunity.com, and I got that started just because I was frustrated with how difficult it was back in 2012, 2013 to find Kizomba in the United States. And I can remember times where I had reason to be in San Francisco or in Boston or whatever, and then I found out after the fact, oh, there was a Kizomba party. You didn't know about it. I was like, uh, how was I supposed to know? Um, so I created a site that would make it possible for anyone to find Kizomba in any city as long as, you know, I knew about it and meant that somebody could find it using Google and not having to be a part of a certain meetup group or Facebook group or anything like that. And then the site has sort of expanded over the years to become a, um, a resource with lots of information um, about Kizomba and Semba and Tadashinya and history um, and also with links to other people's blogs. So I, I think that's probably what I'm most known for now in the United States. I'm also a Kizomba instructor and I travel around the United States and indeed around the world um, just sharing my love for Kizomba. Definitely, definitely. No, it's been awesome to kind of work with you to help spread Kizomba throughout the United States. I know there's a couple of times we got a chance to teach together and dance together. Yeah. Um, what comes to mind is Denver last year. That was that's fun. Right. And mm-hmm. hopefully we'll be able to see each other sometime this year. I know it's kind of crazy yeah. with all the traveling, <laughs> but um, it'll be good to get some some good dances in for sure. We'll have to have to make sure our paths cross at some point. Yes. All right. So today's topic is going to be private lessons. And even though private lessons seem to be a no brainer for some people, uh, definitely, we want to give some insights into how you can utilize private lessons and the benefits of private lessons and how you can kind of take a look at it and see how private lessons will work for you and may not work for you because it might not 
fit your particular style or sure. your learning method. Your learning style, yeah. for sure. Well, maybe we could start off by talking about how to choose the teacher with whom you're going to take those private lessons. Definitely. Let's go ahead and start off with that. So I think obviously you want to pick someone who is um, good at the dance. <laughs> um, that's, I mean, it seems so obvious for us, you know, as, as experienced dancers, but I think it can be hard. Like if you were an awesome, you know, other kind of dancer and then you're like, yeah, I've been hearing about this Kizomba thing and I want to take some privates before I like show up at a social, um, you know, how do you know who that person is that you can trust mm -hmm. to be taking private lessons from? Um, and so I think one of the first things to do is ask around, you know, ask about people who have already had some experience with teachers or the teacher in the area before deciding, okay, yeah, I'm going to commit a chunk of cash, uh, for some time with that instructor. Definitely. I know a lot of people who would not take a private lesson with an instructor until they've seen them teach in person to see if they resonate with their style of teaching. And I know some people have gotten privates with me sight unseen um, mm -hmm. they haven't seen me teach but that's typically not the norm for sure but a testimonial goes a long way yeah. to if they know somebody or just know that person is really knowledgeable or if you just like the way that their dance is like that's okay I'm sold I see the way you dance teach me something but for some people they are they want to see some more information okay I like the way you dance let's see the way that you teach because as you and I both know, Rachel, <laughs> dancing very well and teaching and breaking down things very well are two different skill sets. And I feel that sometimes it's not very common knowledge in the dancing. That's really true. I mean, sometimes the best person to take a private lesson with is actually not the best dancer in the scene. Because someone who has invested a lot of time in becoming a technically advanced dancer or an extremely musical dancer doesn't necessarily know how to explain to you how to achieve that. I mean, we've all had in our lives, we've all had that one math teacher that like obviously was great at math, <laughs> mm -hmm. but just did not have any idea of how to help the students get there, you know, or if not math, you know, maybe it was, you know, English trying to diagram sentences. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I know I don't understand what an adjectival prepositional phrase is and <laughs> you're not helping. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that that is really important to confirm with others or to witness for yourself in the context of a group class, whether you feel like that person's going to be able to explain things well to you. Definitely. And just one last note on this topic here on choosing your instructor on the skill sets that I was mentioning before. I did write a blog on different skill sets of a, of a dancer that we have in the dance scene and how people, different instructors, dancers, performers specialize in certain things to kind of create our dancer ecosystem and i'll link that in the show notes so you guys can see it but it's called the five talents of a world-class uber dancer and i know that i reached out to you rachel to kind of pick your brain about that and how mm -hmm. to kind of put my thoughts together mm -hmm. yeah um now i know some of you are thinking okay well that's all very well and good but actually there's no teacher in my area um that i can learn from and so my only opportunity to learn the style that I'm interested in or to get beyond my current level is when someone visits or when I go to a festival. Mm -hmm. And that means that, you know, I, I don't have a lot of time to figure out if this is the right person for me. I kind of like, you know, I might just have to jump in. And uh, that's totally fair. Not everyone has the same amount of accessibility mm -hmm. 
when it comes to private lessons. Um, and particularly if you want to have a private with some of these top names that are constantly traveling, you might really have to plan in advance because they're only going to have, okay, those eight slots. And if you want to be one of them, you don't have time to wait and, and, and check it out and decide whether that's going to be right for you. You have to decide kind of just from their dancing or from their reputation mm -hmm. that that's what you're going to do. Yes, for sure. And that those eight slots might only be avail available once a year or maybe I mean, mm -hmm. their instructors mm -hmm. have come to the U.S. and they came once and three years later they haven't come back, you know? Yeah, so <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's, that's definitely something to factor in. Another thing that pops to mind when I hear the word accessibility is the person like you, your hours, your accessibility. Maybe you can't make a wiki class in your local city. And so having a private lesson will be more mm -hmm. adaptable to your schedule. So that's yeah, also so definitely. So we'll get that into in. that a little bit more when we talk about the advantages for sure of definitely. private lessons. Um, so I think the next thing to consider when you're choosing a teacher um, is pricing. I've seen I mean, lots of different pricings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really does vary. Um, and I think we often make this mistake. I mean, economists have done studies about it. We think that whoever costs the most is the most valuable. Right. Mm -hmm. um, we, we, there was a great study about this related to wine, um, also related to cars. Um, and just by changing the price on something, it changes people's perception of of that thing, the desirability of it. So I would caution people just because somebody is very expensive doesn't necessarily mean that it's worth it. And also just because somebody isn't charging very much doesn't mean that they're not good at what they do. People have different reasons for how they price their lessons. And I think as students, that's not always immediately apparent. I agree. That's awesome what you just said as far as like the motives behind the instructor, because there's definitely I know some instructors that raise up the prices because they don't want to have a flood of private lessons. Yeah. And I know some instructors lower their price because they do want to do more private lessons because they're trying to make themselves more accessible financially for the people who may be interested. Yeah. I mean, I have talked to some of those top names um, that say, oh, no, I price <laughs> I price my private lessons, you know, at 150 euros an hour because mm -hmm. I'm tired. <laughs> I do so many group classes. I travel every week. And so for me, if I'm going to invest that hour with someone, I need to know that they really want it. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, they're walking away with that much more money and mm -hmm. that kind of makes it worth it for them. But on the flip side, yeah, I think there's a lot of teachers that want to invest in a community and want to see people making the progress that they can really get with the individual attention. And therefore, they're willing to make discounts um whether that's across the board they have a lower rate or whether that's tied to i know for me sometimes when i'm coming into a place i'll give a discount um on private lessons to people who have registered for the workshop that i'm mm -hmm. going to be teaching or registered for the festival that i'm you know a part of and that's um sort of recognizing that they're already invested in their learning and then you know, rewarding them for going a little bit further and taking that private lesson. For sure. And then also if the instructor that you're taking private lessons from is local, I know sometimes where I live, I will offer discounts if they buy a package of sure. private. So mm -hmm. 
from four hours to eight hours to 12 hours. Um, I'll adjust that accordingly just because they'll just buy a big chunk of private lessons to last over several months versus just finding that one opportunity for a top name at a festival once a year. So there's different things to factor with that. Yeah, definitely. And if you are someone who is interested in taking private lessons, and we'll get into all the advantages to convince you of that very soon. Mm -hmm. But if you feel like, okay, I want to take a private lesson, but man, like I just don't have that chunk of cash lying around. Um, and oh, I don't, I don't have the time to earn it before they're going to leave or whatever. I mean, talk to the instructor because so many people are going to be willing to work with you. Um, I know that I've done things like um, skill swaps. Um, I've offered installment payments. Mm -hmm. and, and I know that there are a lot of ways that instructors make it more accessible, even if they're not willing to, um, to lower the rate, there might be another way of coming to terms. Yes, it's, it's always good to reach out to the person and just ask. I don't think there's any disrespect or harm in asking to see if there's a way. Um, I've definitely done barters for my private lessons mm -hmm. for a massage or for... Yes, me too. <laughs> that's my favorite. <laughs> that is, that's probably my favorite one to do, <laughs> to barter an hour massage for an hour private lesson. Yes, definitely, especially after a long weekend. Um, but mm -hmm. I will say if anybody messaged me directly and just offered something i don't think there's any harm or disrespect to doing that because you, you never know if you don't ask exactly yep doesn't hurt to ask all right um shall we get started talking about all the reasons that we should be taking private lessons yes private lessons is definitely something that helps you event advance your dancing very quickly because you get that fo focused one-on-one -on -one attention and things like that and we'll go more and more into that as well um, mm. but the first thing we can kind of talk about are learning styles and I know this is something that's not talked about a lot because I guess dance can be taught in a lot of different ways depending on how the instructor kind of views their dance I know there's some people that are more feely and they're like no you want to move like the wind and that kind of thing mm -hmm. that's how they kind of break down their movement and sometimes it just kind of copy what I do you know and then yeah. you have other dancers that are very like almost scientific and mathematical the way that they break down. So finding the instructor that kind of can click with the way that your brain clicks helps as well, you know? Yeah. And I think that starts with just some of that self-awareness, mm -hmm. realizing how it is that you learn and that that's not the same as everyone else. Because um, I know for me, I went through most of my schooling never realizing that actually the things that I found hard wasn't necessarily because I was stupid in that area, but it was mm -hmm. just because of the way that it was being taught wasn't um, a good match for how I learn. And every teacher, you know, has a different teaching style, usually because they have a different learning style. Um, I know for myself, while I have done, you know, proper education training, I'm still always going to be more comfortable teaching in the style that I learn. Definitely. And I'm going to put a link. Um, I remember seeing an image online that had like the different learning styles. Some people are more kinetic. Some people are more auditory. Some people are more visual. You can be a hybrid of a lot of them. Um, I remember teaching private lessons and I was counting the steps for this guy. And I was like, okay, and a one and a two and a three. And there wasn't any music playing 
and there was just a mental block. He was like frozen, you know. Mm-hmm. The moment I put on a song, he was grooving, and I was like, ah, "Yeah, okay. <laughs> that was really nice." And then I remember teaching a guy who was uh, an engineer, I think, and the exact opposite happened. Anytime I put on the music, he got flustered, he couldn't focus. But the moment I started to count the steps, he moved when he was supposed to move. So as an instructor, like you want to kind of find an instructor that is able to adapt to your learning style. Um, Mm. Of course, an instructor is definitely going to have one that's strong, you know, but I mean, you have to be flexible. I, I, I see private lessons almost like a, a, Rubik's, a Rubik's cube. It's like what combination of words and movements and things like that is going to get you the highest yield out of your brain and your body to accomplish that same goal, you know? That's a great way of thinking about it. And outside of our um, maybe Western understanding of learning styles, I think it's also important to consider um whether you're coming from a movement culture or not. And I did a blog on this for latindancecommunity.com, which we'll also provide a link to, that just asks you to consider, how did you grow up? (laughs) Did you grow up moving? Was dancing part of the culture that you were in? Or was it something that was only taught in a class that was always something structured and broken down? And maybe there was even an idea of a right way of doing something. Um, And that's a big cultural difference that also affects who you're going to match with when it comes to taking a private lesson. Yes, definitely. And that's one of those things that I was mentioning before. Like you want to see the way that the teacher teaches before possibly investing if possible. But like I said, based on accessibility, you might not have that luxury um, because you have to act quick and take advantage of that instructor while they're in town, you know. Yeah. And it's not to say that if somebody has a different teaching style and it's not exactly right for you, that's not to say that you can't learn from them. Um, Not at all. I've definitely taken private lessons from people who had a very different style from what is my number one preferred way. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just means you have to be prepared to work a little bit harder to make things click. Definitely. Let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsors. Have you been looking to level up your Kizomba, but you don't have the local instructors to take you there? Are you looking for something concrete to practice with your Kizomba partner? Or are you looking for Kizomba lessons that you can take on your schedule and the comfort of your home? If you answered yes to any of these questions, look no further. LearnToKiz.com is what you need. Progressive, step-by-step lessons that you can take at your pace in the comfort of your home or anywhere with a solid internet connection on your PC, Mac, or any smartphone. New videos are added every month. You can try this awesome resource out 30 days free at LearnToKiz.com slash podcast. After the 30 days free, it's only a low $15 per month. But again, the special offer for the Dance Your Heart On Fire listeners, 30 days free at LearnToKids.com slash podcast. You won't find this offer anywhere else. LearnToKids.com slash podcast. And now back to our show. Moving along the list here, undivided attention and the private lessons. Basically, I think maybe the favorite thing that I have about taking a private lesson, my instructor's eyes are on me. They know what I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. They know what I need to work on. They know what to suggest. There's no distraction. And I'm, I'm, yeah, I can't stress how important that is. Definitely. Me, with, with all the experience that I have teaching group classes, the group classes, and this is going a little bit off topic, but I'll bring it back to the private lessons. The group classes that I found 
that I get the most positive feedback are the ones where I was able to just even say one or two sentences to each person that I dance mm, with. Yeah. That that just a one sentence or two sentences of individualized feedback really helps people know because sometimes you have those group classes to where you have 20, 30, 40, 50 people uh-huh. in a class and the instructor <laughs> might be a couple. <laughs> and but also like the instructor couple will just dance with themselves and they won't dance with the people, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's a really good thing to have the instructor rotate in with the people if they're going to be practicing the movement so each one can kind of feel that. And that goes into the whole why you should have a leader and a follower or maybe an instructor that able that is well versed on the leading and following of the dance, but that's that could be a whole other topic. But yeah, the more- I mean, I do think I do think the larger the class, the less practical it is to have instructors in rotation for sure. Um, but yeah, I think the fact that we value as students when we get that feedback just goes to show how much better it is when you are able to take a private lesson because that undivided attention also means that you're getting instantaneous feedback. Mm hmm. And since you're able to get that individualized, undivided attention for an hour, that's why the pricing or the cost per hour goes up than you would paying a group right. class. Right. And because, well, it's only you. I mm-hmm. mean, in a group class, the instructor is getting paid by multiple people. You can see that as kind of a, a shared cost. Mm-hmm. So definitely. Yeah. All right. So I think the next advantage of private lesson is that you're able to set a goal and focus on what interests you. I know that when I have a student um, message me, email me, call me about a private lesson, one of the things I always ask them is, do you have an idea of what it is that you want to work on? And I would say the majority of students do. They have something that they're not getting enough of in in their group classes or that they've been struggling with for a while and they just, you know, are kind of stuck. And a private lesson offers the opportunity to really focus on that thing. And I will take that even a little bit further because no matter what dancing that you're dancing, whether it's salsa, bachata, kizomba, zook, tango, sometimes the roadmap isn't clear of what you should learn Mm. next, you know, or sometimes there's so many things coming into my head right now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So like the roadmap of like, even being able to assess you like where you are sometimes you don't know where you are if you've only been learning in a particular city with one particular instructor but like just knowing the scope of what is able what is available to learn out there you know um Mm -hmm. and like knowing okay well i feel confident in this can i take this further is there anything more to learn and there's just all these little things that are interested in how you can build a foundation and how you can start to build that almost like a tree and you branch out into different sides and really start to grow your dance, you know, but that, that isn't always clear because I know we don't have a set curriculum in many of these dances. I think I've heard of, and you might have some insight into this ritual of West coast swing. I've heard they're pretty structured as yeah, far as like the West coast swing levels. is definitely, definitely very structured, not quite as structured as say, American ballroom dancing or international ballroom dancing. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is an idea of you should be able to do certain things at this level and then Mm -hmm. at that level. Um, And it's easy to um, understand those levels because there are competitions that really divide people 
um, categorically. Mm-hmm. And I guess we don't see that quite as much in, I want to say, authentic dances. That sounds judgy, though. <laughs> in, in some of the dances that have emerged out of single culture. Afro-Latin dances? Well, not just Afro-Latin dances, though. So I also do Lindy Hop and I do blues dancing. Uh, um, and so you. those are things that we call um, part of the American vernacular tradition. And while we do have competitions, it's almost always self-selecting. There isn't really a clear idea necessarily of what makes you a beginner or an intermediate dancer or whatever, unless you're going to one of these really, really huge events where there are additions for every level. Mm -hmm. And then your level is just a number based on where you, where you fit in the attendance of people who have come. Um, So. And intermediate in one city might be a completely different intermediate in another city. And if you guys are coming and convening in this one festival or Congress, it's hard to do that. Yeah, definitely. So the advantage of a private lesson then is not only being able to focus on what you're interested in, but also having it be right at your level, even when you don't know (laughs) what your level is. (laughs) Um, And then maybe having suggestions for what is next for you. Definitely. All right. So our next thing here is going to be, well, we have at your level, perfect pace. I guess that all kind of ties into each other, yeah? Well, pacing can be about level, but I think it also can be about how quickly you're moving during the lesson. Because we've all been in that group class where you're like, whoa, wait, I'm not ready to move on to the next thing. Uh, like, I, I've only practiced it twice. What are we doing? Um, but we've also been in that class where we're like, we're doing it again. Like, we've practiced it five times without music, I'm three times you with music. A big virtual <laughs> hug right now. Yeah. <laughs> You hear that so many times. Either people are, it's, and, and as an instructor, it's really hard to find the perfect balance between that because typically like, and that's why all levels classes are really hard because mm. either you're going over somebody's head sometimes, but at the same time in the same class, you're boring other people, you know? And so you have to try to kind of keep both extremes and that goes into the importance of knowing your level. Is this the right class? Because the more people you have that are similar, then you can kind of take them together, but that's not always possible sure and i mean mixed level classes there are there are ways there are strategies for instructors to um differentiate and layer but the fact of the matter is there is never going to be a class that's as perfectly slow or as perfectly fast as you want it to be as compared with a private lesson definitely the instructor can tell you like, okay, let's move on to the next thing. And you can say, actually, I'd just like to try that a couple more times. Mm-hmm. You know, or the instructor could say, okay, why don't we try doing this again? And you could say, hmm, I know I need to work on this, but actually I'd prefer to work on it by myself, outside mm-hmm. the private. Let's go ahead and do another thing. And I mean, I, I think it's very rare that an instructor who is giving you a private lesson would refuse such a request. No, they they wouldn't refuse that at all because you're utilizing. I mean, they're hiring you for that hour to cater to them for their needs. You know. Mm. Yep. Exactly. Definitely, that's that's awesome feedback. I I definitely love that because the private lessons definitely are for you. It's dedicated on you at your pace for that, and it won't bore you, and then it also won't go over your head either. Yeah. Exactly. So. Um, 
we referenced a little bit earlier how wonderful it is to be able to get feedback from our instructors. Um, and I've already said, you know, an advantage with the undivided attention of your instructor is you get that instant feedback. But I think another advantage of private lessons is that there can be multiple avenues of feedback. So what I mean by that is the instructor can watch you and tell you something about visually what you need to work on, some lines that are a problem or the, the posture could be a variety of things. But the instructor can also dance with you mm -hmm. or stand next to you and imitate what it is that you're doing. And so you have the possibility of kinetic feedback and also that visual so you're getting information on a bunch of different levels. And I know that personally, I will also offer to students the opportunity if they want to um, video a little segment of something that I want them to work on. Or I can offer to um, review what we've done in the private so they can write down some notes. Or sometimes I email students, you know, okay, this is a reminder of what your homework was <laughs> from this private lesson. Definitely. I also, at the end of my private lessons, like to record an audio note in Evernote and give the, op the student an opportunity to recap and capture those light bulb moments while they're fresh right then and there after they're private. Because I remember myself taking some private lessons, learning different dances, and you try to re remember what they told you like a week ago, or just like, and it's fuzzy. It's, it's not as fresh anymore. Mm -hmm. So either taking video, which you can, which is a combination of visual and audio, and then also, if if you don't want to take a video and just taking an audio note, and even if your instructor doesn't offer this after your private lesson is finished, I'm pretty sure all of us have a smartphone um, or some kind of recording device. Just sit down and record that and talk to yourself. OK, I struggle with this. I need to work on that. This felt good. Um, I like what he said about X and make sure that I focus on that, because I feel it's, it's really good to capture those moments while they're fresh so that way when you are trying to practice later or referencing something then it's, it's just easy to go back into your your file or your dance journal and kind of find those those hints of either feedback key feedback or some inspiration and motivation and i think all of that i i think about it as your opportunity to keep unpacking what you've learned even after the private so if you make some notes or you make this audio recording or you have a video um it gives you the chance to take that information and the technique and whatever that you got from the hour you had with the instructor and then continue your learning on your own so it's not just a question of one hour of benefit but even many beyond that. Definitely. The, it's like a ripple effect. Yeah. As far as an instructor's standpoint and taking private lessons, like for me, since I'm, I'm not saying other instructors aren't passionate, but for me, like I really love the process of learning. And mm. I recently took the, the strengths finder 2.0 test and it kind of lets you know what your five strengths are and one of my biggest strengths was just the learning process and that kind of excites me and gets me all motivated and things like that and i like to think about the not just right now this is what you can work on but also i like giving the students motivation inspiration to continue their learning you know like okay we're going to do this audio note and i've had many people who i've done a private lesson with one year who record the audio note 
we come back next year and say, okay, well, let's listen to what we did last time and see what we think and see how you're comparing now. And then we'll take you to a, a further level after that, you know? So it's good to see mm-hmm. that progression. And, and if you're going to invest time and money into anything, it's that progress is really motivating to continue to do that. But if you don't track it or you don't capture it, sometimes it's, it's easier to lose that motivation or that, that desire to want to keep pushing yourself, even though it's hard, keep pushing yourself, even though your, your schedule is crazy, keep pushing yourself, even though you might feel discouraged or alone because there's nobody, you don't have a practice partner, things like that. There's multiple things that can kind of discourage you and, and make you not want to continue. But mm-hmm. anything worth it is definitely worth the investment. And I, I, I like giving material that's going to help them not only for today, but a week from now, a month from now, six months from now, still want to have that hunger to learn because, A, they might come back to me and teach another private. But even if they don't come back to me and they take another private lesson with another instructor or that person is going to go back and feel inspired and motivated to host a social or host a practical or even become an instructor, you know, and now you kind of have like that future waves of like ripple effect of the impact that you have from that one private lesson. Yep. You know what? I think we should have I think we should have another podcast episode on this very topic, Charles, in the uh, future. On inspiration. And continuing your learning. And definitely. We should definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just I don't know. I feel like an instructor like I my first private lesson in Kizoma was with Albir and Sarah. And they were mm-hmm. very encouraging and they motivated me and they inspired me and look at me now like I've been teaching Kizoma full time and now I'm doing the same thing. So I feel like they had a a candle or a fire of inspiration. They lit my candle and now that my candles lit, I'm able to light other people's candles so that that passion and that motivation carries on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And. Actually, I wrote a blog about this whole topic of why private lessons are awesome. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe the last point, certainly one of the later points, was that you do get to make these connections um, in a way that's not always possible just at a group class or a Mm -hmm. social. Because you're you're spending that time one-on-one or maybe two-on-two, whatever, Mm -hmm. with the instructors. And they get to know you personally. You get to know them a little bit. And so you have a, um, a stronger connection or even an ongoing relationship with them if you're taking multiple privates. And so, yeah, that can really be nice and um, give you a boost as you go forward in the dance community. Definitely. Well, Rachel, it's been awesome talking with you. I think all these points are going to be awesome for people and for for students and for instructors alike as far as private lessons, because it kind of helps you zoom in a little bit on the value that's on both sides. And hopefully that'll inspire more people to continue their learning, to take private lessons, to go out to a class and just kind of keep that fire going for this thing called dance. No matter what your dance is, just progression as in anything that you're passionate about. That's not necessarily your occupation, but this is something that you generally love to do that makes you happy. And it just gives you a chance to grow in that, you know? Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, Charles. Can you go ahead and give our listeners some information on how to find you on social media? Sure. So I'm on Facebook. You can just search Rachel Cassandra with a C. I'm usually one of the first hits. And you can also get loads more information about me, my dancing, teaching, all of that good stuff at rachelcassandra.com. All right, Rachel. Thank you so much for your time. We'll see you in another episode. Sounds good. Take care, Charles.
Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey. Mm-hmm.